Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. I'm waiting for my co-host Hayward Edwards. This is uh, Eddie Rye. Uh, we have a couple gentlemen on the line. A very significant event is occurring right now. Uh, if affirmative action, he here comes Hayward Evans. And uh, uh, will affirmative action be restored to Washington State? Jesse Weinberry was one of the leaders of the I-1000 campaign. Been garnered over 400,000, almost 400,000 signatures. The, both the House and Senate voted in, into law on April 28th. And now we have a different group of characters. And most recently, uh, the Seattle King County NAACP president uh, endorsed uh, and is on the website of Approve 88, which is a little bit misleading. But anyway, Gerald Hankerson is uh, the, uh, the area conference uh, chair for Washington, Oregon, and Alaska. And uh, since uh, I-1000 and referendum 88 is a statewide issue, I want to have President Hankerson explain that to us. And I understand you've issued a statement in support of I-1000, President Hankerson. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, I just want to give a shout-out and a huge thank you to the leadership of both Jesse Weinberry and Matt Jackson for accomplishing the goal that we've been after for at least the last 20 years to bring affirmative action back to Washington State and make sure that this state recognizes the need for why we have to have a checks and balances here when it comes to people of color in this state. Uh, obviously, we support I-1000 in its entirety. Uh, I really appreciate all the work that everyone has done to make sure that I-1000 was passed in this last legislation. We do not support, do not support a referendum at 88 under no circumstances. And when it's a statewide issue, that this issue only falls up under the jurisdiction of Alaska, Oregon, and Washington, which is my jurisdiction, that no branch individual branch has the authority to speak on behalf of a statewide issue, no matter what county it is. And it was unfortunate that Seattle King County decided to endorse Referendum 88, and I issued a statement statewide to let everyone in the community know that this call is made by our uh, state area conference, not by a local branch. And I requested that any information referred to the NWC logos and information to be removed from any campaign that is statewide, particularly approved 88. We do not support Referendum 88. We are staunch supporters of I-1000, and I just want to give a thank you to all of you folks that have made it happen. Well, President Hankerson, we appreciate the clarification. Did you send a copy of uh, your letter to approve 88? Yes, I sent a copy to uh, statewide to all the different agencies that was uh, obviously needed to know what our stance was and to make sure that they understood that uh, this statewide ballot issue is a false under the jurisdiction of the state conference. We have sent this out to all the different agencies that question what our position is. But I wanted to be clear that the state area conference of Alaska, Oregon, and Washington support I-1000, and we do not support Referendum 88. Uh, Gerald, uh, President Hankerson, you know, interestingly to me, when I talked to some of the executive committee, they said they knew nothing about it. Uh, I've been getting a lot of feedback, well, of uh, different things going on there at the uh, at the local chapter. What's up? Do you know anything? Well, no, I don't know anything about that. Obviously, this is a branch that decided to go on their own record. Uh, I've communicated with some executive committee members of the local branch who do nothing about it. Uh, obviously, that's a problem there at that local branch, but under those circumstances that we can actually endorse uh, that branch to endorse anything without the approval of the executive committee. Obviously, this president decided to go out to support something that clearly is confused about, but most importantly, this falls under the jurisdiction of Alaska, Oregon, and Washington, and we have also contacted our national office of the ANW to inform them of this matter. Uh, but we cannot afford, after 20 years of fighting, 
and fighting for the equity that comes, the equality that comes, particularly to communities of color, we cannot allow any branch to decide to make something on their accord. So I can't speak to that fact, but I do know that that was a decision made by one person versus the executive committee. Well, I'm glad you said that about one person, because the fact of the matter is, even to the extent, and again, just being a member of the community that got this feedback about the NAACP supporting a developer, and, and putting out another African-American, well, the, the new African-American Ethiopian company for some space, some peanuts. And I never heard the NAACP move in that direction. So I'm, I'm just at a loss. And at being a, um, a longtime member, I, I'm sort of shocked. Never a, commit, a board member, but I was a little shocked with what's been going on there locally with the, uh, with the NAACP chapter. But let me just ask you, what do you see as the next steps? Because clearly, we got to make sure that it's an I-1000 campaign. You know, uh, that's the reason why I had to submit a statement today statewide to inform everyone where we stand as an organization of the NWC. Uh, the state, as well as the national supports, bringing affirmative action, action back, particularly in the state. Obviously, as you know, as you just indicated, Mr. Evans, that some branches decide to do things on their own accord. But obviously, I informed them to need to stand down because we clearly support I-1000 as we were one of the original supporters of this issue. Yeah. I just don't understand what makes a local branch president decide to make this decision arbitrarily without the support of the executive committee. And this is a problem. That's why I've also informed our national office that this is a problem. And we're going to correct this problem, but we want everybody in Seattle, throughout the state of Washington, to know the NAACP is clearly in support of one, uh, I-1000, 100%. We also know the politics. That happens when you have things like uh, 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 Referendum 88 to undermine the efforts that has been going on by everyone that is making an effort to bring this back. But no branch has the authority to make any decision behind a state, statewide issue other than myself, Joe Hankerson, as president of the Steering Conference. And that's why I sent out that notice case to let everybody know this where the NWC, the oldest civil rights organization in the country, stands firmly behind I-1000. No on 88. Okay, sir. Well, we certainly, uh, referendum 88 will be on there, but the vote will be on I-1000. So, but uh, President Hankerson, we really thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule today. And I know you're in a hurry to get somewhere else, and we appreciate you taking the time out. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we have uh, Attorney uh, uh, Jesse Weinberry Sr. on the line, who's one of the leaders of the I-1000 campaign uh, that uh, garnered over almost 400,000 signatures and support. And it's kind of funny how some of the people who did not support I-1000 by appearing and testifying before the, the various committees and in, in the state legislature and then by the minuscule uh, donations that were delivered and then to see uh, seven major unions support an anti-affirmative action candidate, it kind of makes you wonder what Approve 88 is all about because now the same people that oppose I-1000 now want to lead the charge. And I was kind of surprised to see all the pictures on their website from the I-1000 kickoff. So maybe uh, uh, Attorney Jesse Weinberry can explain that. Uh, did uh, I-1000 agree to give uh, Approve 88 all their photos, all their information that they use on the campaign? Uh, not at all, uh, Eddie uh, and Hayward. Uh, it's good to be back with both of you, and I thank all of your listeners out there for supporting the Approve I-1000 campaign. But to your question, uh, the answer is a simple no. We were just as uh, shocked and amazed when we got forwarded uh, the email uh, that went out from 
uh, the Approve 88 campaign, and it showed our three governors, uh, uh, none of whom have signed on with that campaign, but the photo of our three governors signing I-1000. That was a photo taken in, in October when we held the press conference at the Urban League of Greater Seattle. They basically uh, uh, snatched that photo uh, unauthorized without our consent or permission, and they're putting it up there uh, as, uh, as I heard the uh, NAACP State Area Conference president say, we've moved from politics to politics. And I do not know uh, what the agenda is at this time. We won in terms of getting signatures. We won in terms of getting the, the support of the state legislature. And uh, the polls say that we're about to win in November. So I don't understand the motives uh, or agendas of an organization that would that would uh, either uh, negligently or or um, um, arbitrarily send different messages to our voters than what they're going to have to uh, deal with on on their ballot. The Go ballot ahead. is simple. The, Go ahead. the question Go. on the ballot is simple. Should I one thousand be approved or rejected? It's not a question of whether we are approving or rejecting. Uh, the referendum number. It's I-1000. And so we now have to raise more money and spend more money to clarify a message that should be very simple. Well, I just want to say that when I met the members of the Congressional Black Caucus last weekend in Tunica, Mississippi, a number of the black uh, labor leaders were there, and they got to face uh, Congressman Cleaver, Maxine Waters, and uh, the chair, uh, Congresswoman Karen Bass, and uh, you know, they had the letter that was sent by Hayward Evans to Larry Brown. As a matter of fact, right before that meeting with the labor leaders in Mississippi, I called Hayward so that they could hear for themselves that he had not heard anything from Larry Brown, President of Washington State Labor Council. The letter was dated July 20th, and I think uh, someone contacted Hayward, but it wasn't Larry Brown. You know, have the brother or sister call. You know what I'm saying? Well, one of the things that that I want to make clear. Um, I-1000, the I-1000 campaign, all of us appreciate and applaud uh, any support that people want to give this campaign. What we, what we will not sit silently and tolerate is our organizations who send a different message about voting on I-1000 than what is a consistent message of voting to approve I-1000. And so we hope this will begin and end a very quick dialogue on what this message is going to be, because if you are supporting I-1000, simply say, approve I-1000. And if you're not supporting I-1000, go over on the side of, of uh, the folks that push referendum 88. At least we will know where everyone stands. You know, Representative Weinberry, uh, Avery, to me, when I went on the Internet, I type in, uh, R88, referendum 88, I get a mixed signal. I get this this Caucasian gentleman talking about how affirmative action disrupts, uh, uh, is discriminatory, and he goes through this whole scenario, and now I'm told to vote for it. What's up here? Why am I getting one message? And now when I look at the letter from the um, Secretary of State, I see something else totally different. I'm, I'm confused. I see a lot of people being confused. What's up with that? Well, one of the best ways to suppress a vote is to confuse people, because a confused voter 
is 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 a voter that uh, will decide to not vote at all. And and when you convince enough people that a matter is is confusing, then you lose the support of people that otherwise would vote to approve I-1000. That was the st- a similar strategy is uh, happened in 1998. The reason why in Washington State and 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 still alive in 42 of uh, in the majority of of the country is because here in Washington State they used politics in terms of the language of the ballot title so that many people did not know how to vote. And that is what they're attempting to do here. It's the same play out of an old playbook, except just with a different spin on it. And unfortunately now, instead of it being Tim Iman and John Carlson who are, who are leading the way, they're using a small segment of the Asian community, and now it appears a small segment of the African-American community. Now, when you say that, we notice on uh, the Prove 88 website the three pictures of three black women. And uh, I just want to say I didn't realize that the Chamber of Commerce, through uh, former Tacoma Mayor, now uh, uh, CEO of, of the Greater Seattle Chamber of Commerce, Marilyn Strickland, I had no idea that the Chamber of Commerce had taken a position on I-1000 and she's with approve 88. So I was just curious, uh, how is that working out? Has anyone spoke with, spoke with her about her position? Well, the good news is that I was on a call with uh, with uh, Miss or President Strickland uh, yesterday, and it sounded like she had uh, a a an aha moment in terms of being able to understand why approve 88 would create confusion. So she uh, indicated to those of us on the call that she was going to look into this deeper. I know one of the persons on the call actually sent her the clarifying statement from the uh, Secretary of State's office. After and so fact. our hope yeah, our hope is that uh, at least the, uh, the Greater uh, Metropolitan Chamber of Commerce will align themselves with Approve I-1000 instead of Approve 88. And uh, we just heard from uh, uh, President Hankerson, because, you know, another person on there is a local president of the NAACP, and uh, apparently he's clarified that branches uh, do not and are not authorized to endorse statewide issues. That is a position that is assumed by the Washington State Area Conference chairperson who or president, who is Gerald Hankerson. So it's good to hear that. So now we have... President Strickland going back and checking some things out with the folks that got her in the mess to start with, I guess. And uh, so, well, uh, Representative Weinberry, we really do thank all the work that, you know, you've been doing for us. And uh, why don't you share with our listeners what the next steps are? Well, the, ne- the next step is to is to uh, contact uh, I-1000, get involved. We have we're, we're doing what is called the 3939 statewide strategy. That is to make sure that people are campaigning in 39 out of 39 counties. Most campaigns just pick Kings, Snohomish, and Pierce. We're going at all 39 counties, and we want people who are good public speakers, uh, young people who want to learn the political process, to go to our website, which is now approveI1000.com. Or give us a call at 206-701-4188, 206-701-4188 to get involved. It's going to be uh, an exciting campaign. 
and we look forward to speaking to everyone who is ready to bring diversity back to Washington State. Well, I can tell you, Antunica, uh, Congress Black Caucus Chair, uh, Karen Bass, and others met with some labor leaders, some black labor leaders, and uh, they want. she asked me, what can they do? I said, they can put some money into the I-1000 campaign to make sure we restore affirmative action to Washington State without any tricks. So, Representative Weinberry, Attorney Jesse Weinberry, thank you very much for all the work you're doing, and we'll be talking with you again real soon, like probably next week. Amen. No, thank you all for keeping the uh, information going so that people are not confused when they finally sit down and vote. All right, now, thank you. Hi. Okay, our next guest is uh, Callie Holloway, and uh, she is uh, director of the Make It Right Project. And, Callie, I want to let you know that the information you sent me, I, I attached to the notice, uh, my email notice, about this radio program and mm-hmm. also put it on Facebook because everybody needs to know. I mean, I was shocked to hear about all those Southern Army bases named for former Confederate okay. generals. And okay. then uh, in Seattle, you made me aware of the fact that at Lakeview Cemetery on Capitol Hill, there's a monument to the Confederacy. Yeah, it's been there since 1926. <laughs> okay. So why don't you just re-enter, you've been on the program before, but introduce yourself to the people that don't know you and tell us a little bit about the Make It Right Project. Sure. Um, so I'm the director of the Make It Right Project. We've existed for about a year. We launched in June of 2018. And I always say that um, our work is that we are, uh, we exist to take down Confederate monuments, but also to tell the truth about history, um, which I think is kind of the issue when we talk about Confederate monument removal. Um, there's the conversation that we have in this country about Confederate monuments is, is one that's typically informed by a historical narrative. Um, it's informed by the lost cause, which is this um, mythological idea about uh, the Civil War um, that pretends that the central cause of the Civil War wasn't slavery um, and that slavery was a beneficial institution. Um, and so I feel like a lot of the work that we do um, isn't just around taking down these monuments, but it's uh, it's a public, not just education campaign, but re-education campaign, because there is so much mis- and disinformation out there um, about the Confederacy and what it meant and, and how far the ideology spread and how embedded it is in our current culture. Well, you know, we certainly, in addition to having the monument at Lakeview Cemetery, uh, in 1941, the Daughters of the Confederacy convinced uh, our legislative leaders in this state to name a Highway 99, the Jefferson Davis Highway from the Canadian border, all the way through Washington State to the Oregon border. Mm-hmm. And recently, I got to check the maps to make sure they changed it. They were supposed to have changed it a couple of years ago. And they had um, big. I think it was changed in 2002. It was um, Highway 99. So in 2002, they, they altered um, the name of it. Um, but also, you know, there were some other. I mean, this is that monument in Lakeview Cemetery is just the last of. Some other things, there were. There used to be a 400-foot-tall Douglas fir in Ravenna Park that was named for Robert E. Lee, um, and they knocked that down. Or it was they cut, cut down it down? In the 20s. Yeah, they cut it down in the 1920s, and there, there's no clear reason for why, but, um, but you know, that did happen. And, it, you know, it, it tells you a lot about sort of, I think, the fact that the Confederacy wasn't just a bunch of contiguous states. The Confederacy was an ideology. I mean, there used to Dixie Day was the thing that happened. Um, in Seattle. And, you know, there's a lot of discussion that goes, um, I guess, undiscussed, I would say, around the history of the Confederacy in the Pacific Northwest. 
Um, you know, Seattle was part of Oregon Territory, which had black exclusion laws. Um, it had one of the most burgeoning and large Klan memberships in, during the second incarnation of the Klan, which is, takes off after 1915. You know, these things are not separate from the fact that there is that Confederate monument there. So there's, again, I feel like a lot of our uh, understanding is Confederate, about Confederate monuments um, is, is, is kind of not, we're not actually fully understanding that history because it's not just a hidden history, but it's a press history. Well, Kaylee, uh, Hayward here. I, look at I salute your work. Absolutely, absolutely. It was a little later, I think, with the with the uh, that Highway 99. They were still calling it Jefferson Davis Highway mm. because, because Eddie was down there testifying on behalf of changing the name. Was supposedly in the north end now. It's supposed to be after a retired or an African American Civil War Civil veteran, Civil right? War veteran. Yeah. yeah, William Robinson. I don't think they, I don't think Washington State Department of Transportation ever did anything. But uh, I need mm. to check the map because it. A lot of times they'll tell you one thing and you look up and nothing's been changed. But why don't you give our listeners an idea of, uh, of, of I mean, a lot of them have the information because I, I made sure I added your information on the Make It Right project where everything was located. But uh, what really was interested me is that all these uh, military army bases down south that are named for Confederate generals, and some of them were didn't have very high esteem. They had serious problems. <laughs> Could you just talk about a few of yeah. those? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I talked a little about this in the mailing that went out. Um, but, um, you know, the, I, I'm always sort of stunned by the one in, in Georgia, which is named for um, Gordon. John Brown Gordon. Right. Um, because he was really the head of the Klan. Um, uh, and, and by numerous scholars um, that's been recognized. Um, and the case has been made for changing the name because, you know, obviously why would an army base be named um, for someone who was the lead of a terrorist group and who also mm -hmm. had been a key player in an insurrection, a, a terrorist, um, a treasonous insurrection against this country. Um, but, you know, the when we talk about army bases, part of uh, the difficulty of, getting them changed is they, um, you know, they have a commitment to keeping the names that are already there. There's actually a um, army base in Brooklyn, Fort Hamilton, which has two rows. This is Brooklyn, New York, um, that are named for Robert E. Lee um, and Stonewall Jackson. Mm -hmm. And we've had uh, politicians here, local legislators write letters to the army, um, you know, create public protests around it, and, and they haven't been renamed. I, I do think, you know, there is one case in which the Army has bowed to criticism. Um, in 2000, they changed the name of Forest Road at Fort Bliss, which is in Texas, mm -hmm. which, which that name, that it had been named for Nathan Bedford Forrest, who was, um, you know, one, one of the most famous Grand Wizards of the Klan. Um, and they changed the name to Cassidy Road after um, a different general. And, and then on that same base in 2014, they changed Robert E. Lee Road to Buffalo Soldier Road, Soldier Road, which is, you know, Buffalo Soldiers, African-American soldiers who serve. Um, but since then, there have been no changes, and the Army has repeatedly resisted calls for change. Um, you know, I'm hoping that I, I mentioned this, but there is a bill, um, an attachment to the National Defense Authorization Act that would keep the Pentagon from naming any more of these bases or any military assets after any Confederate leaders, any Confederate vehicles, any Confederate 
um, you know, it, any sort of lauded Confederate names, it would prevent that in the future. And I'm hoping that attachment makes it through or that amendment makes it through. But, um, you know, we'll see. There hasn't been any action <clears throat> on the bill since July. Uh, I'd like to have that information because I'd like I, I uh, communicate uh, regularly with members of the Congressional Black Caucus. And mm-hmm. I was just down in Mississippi with uh, some of the members on this past weekend. And uh, next month this time, I'll be at the, uh, at the Congressional Black Caucus annual legislative weekend. And I'd mm-hmm. like to be able to get this information to them before that event because they're on break right now and have more time to be reading and looking things like this up. So yeah. any information that you have on that legislation, please get it to me so I can share it with them. Absolutely. And I'm sure the Hispanic Caucus, the Asian Pacific Islander Caucus, and the Progressive Caucus would also be supportive. Yeah, absolutely. And particularly because uh, the League of United Latino American Citizens is, you know, we should probably also mention that they are trying very hard to get Fort Hood James, um, who is another Confederate general. I really like what you said as it relates to that, uh, that treasonous insurrection. And I think if people really push that statement, because right now a lot of people see them as, as the other patriot. And they were mm. doing something to defend this nation or defend that land. So if we can start using that tree. They were treasonous. Defending slavery. They were, they, were, they were rebels or rebellion. They were treasonous, and it needs, needs to be treated as such. What's being done in that vein just to re-educate, re-educate all the people across the country? Because that should be incorporated in the history books. That's I why mean, she has that mailer working. she's sending out. Amen. <laughs> Go ahead, Putting Golly. things out like that, I, I continuously do journalism. I'm actually working on a piece today that tries to embed those kinds of messages in it. I mean, at every chance that we get, we are putting out messaging that is about, you know, telling people, correcting the historical record. Um, because, you know, there's even textbooks that were vetted by the United Daughters of the Confederacy that include a lot of this misinformation. And they've been put in schools for generations and generations. So, yeah, a big part of this is telling the full historical truth. Well, Kali, I'll tell you what. Uh, do you have any contact information you want to share with our listening audience? Um, well, I would love it if people would visit the Make It Right Project site, which is um, makeitrightproject.org. Um, you can also visit the independentmediainstitute.org site where there's more about our project. And, um, yeah, if you are if working on taking down a Confederate monument near you or you have news about a Confederate monument or the fight that you're embroiled in, we'd love to hear from you. Well, I'll tell you what, I guess we got one in Seattle, Lakeview Cemetery. Yes, but uh, yeah. I keep up the good work. And uh, I, like I said, uh, you're a mailer you sent out identifying the locations and uh, all of the criminal acts, these folks that have things named for them. Uh, mm-hmm. All these folks... Uh, uh, they they know now. I had like a thousand different uh, 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 mailers that uh, emails that go out, and I made sure that I attached uh, your mailer so that these people could be educated uh, in in the meantime. But Kylie, thank you very much. We'll be in touch real soon. Keep up the good work. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and for all that you do. Okay, then. Thank you. okay, we're gonna take a quick take break and come back with our next guest after this. 
Step up your commute and ride light. Sound Transit's new Capitol Hill and University of Washington Link Light Rail stations are now open. Get around town faster and more reliably than ever. Ride now from the University of Washington to Capitol Hill in just four minutes or continue on to Westlake Station in just eight minutes. Find lots of helpful information on how to ride, how to get an Orca card, and more at ulink2016.org. Link Light Rail. More stations, more places. At the Port of Seattle, diversity is the source of possibility and strength. And we honor our diverse community by expanding opportunities for all people to share in our region's economic prosperity. From the seaport to the airport, we're working to support small businesses, including those owned by women and minorities, and to create quality jobs with lifelong career paths. The Port of Seattle continues to be your port of opportunity. An alternative to everything else on your radio dial. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, Eric, you got relevant. Thank you, sir. We appreciate that, Pat Marley. Uh, our next guest is Lena Tufaha. Did I say it right? Yes, you did. Okay. Well, you're here with Eddie Ryan Hayward Evans, and uh, uh, you, a friend and a colleague of uh, Anila, absolutely. And Anila is one of the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee members. So uh, you are... Uh, Palestinian-American, an author, a poet, and an activist. And recently, we had something going on. As a matter of fact, I talked to uh, Congressman Andre Carson's office. He is a practicing Muslim. And uh, he had an com- uh, interview on CNN where he denounced uh, the folks for withdrawing uh, the uh, invitation to Representative Omar and uh, who was it? I can't How do you pronounce the last name? Rashida Salib. Salib, right. Okay. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, he, he really uh, has a lot to say, and we invited him to come on this program as well. And, uh, you know, it's really unfortunate when you look at uh, what's going on in Israel, the fact that uh, Netanyahu came over here, uh, disrespected President Obama, and very little was said about it by anybody <laughs> except for the yeah. black community. That's and right. uh, so... Uh, you know, there's, a, there's a, some serious problems here. Uh, uh, Congressman Carson was talking about the way the Ethiopian Jews are treated, the way the African immigrants are treated. And then I was involved with the anti-apartheid movement, and I know that Israel was supporting the uh, racist, oppressive South African government uh, during the apartheid days. So, I, I, mean, I, I mean, I have Jewish uh, folks that I deal with all the time, but when it comes down to the conduct of, of the Israeli government, I'm sorry, I can't support that. Right. You know, I just can't support anyone that would support apartheid in the way what's happening with the encroachment of other folks' land. Uh, you know, being a, a black person in America uh, with a 400-year history, we know all about disenfranchisement, abuse, uh, degradation, discrimination, and uh, 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 just... Slavery really covered up with a, a few niceties of complexity, as Dr. Mm-hmm. King would say. So why don't you right. share with our listeners exactly what you're doing and uh, uh, in terms of bringing this to people's attention in, in this country? Well, thank you so much for that You know, excellent introduction. You've really summarized the problem. Israel has, in my opinion, Israel the government, Israel the, the way that it chooses to treat the human beings who live in historic Palestine, Israel has an endemic, profound racism problem. Um, Palestinian citizens of the state 
live under a different set of laws entirely than Jewish citizens of the state. They face housing discrimination, employment discrimination. Their uh, neighborhoods aren't provided the same kind of services. They are treated miserably. Uh, and Sound like the black to, community in America. Go ahead. That's exactly, <laughs> right. That's exactly right. It is a it is an exact comparison, and they. Um, Israel likes to walk around referring to itself as the only democracy in the Middle East. That may be true for its Jewish citizens, but you can't be a democracy if you are only a democracy for some of the people. We all know that, right? Uh, we in this country know that um, there's no sort of partial equality. We're either all equal, we're all going to get free together, or we're not. There's, there's no sort of uh, equality for some. Uh, so to me, it's really important to make a distinction, and what I care about is to make a distinction between the Israeli government and Israelis who support apartheid and who approach um, uh, approach Palestinians with a Zionist perspective, and Jewish people who are not necessarily bought into these ideologies that separate and that discriminate. So um, someone who supports the Israeli government is not automatically a representative of uh, Jewish people. Um, there are many, 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 many wonderful people who are on the front line putting bodies uh, on the line to call for justice um, who are doing it because of their belief in their Jewish faith and in ideals of equality and uh, dignity for all human beings. So that's just a distinction I want to make up front, like that that's obvious to those of us who have been in the trenches doing this work for a long time. So all these sort of claims about... Um, critiquing Israel being anti-Semitic or just non-starters. You know, a very quick glance at the facts shows that that's just not true. For me, what I care most about is getting the human story out. And I think that's why the uh, access was denied to Representative Elhan Omar and Representative Rashida Khalid, because if, if they go and if there are cameras there showing how Palestinians are actually being made to live under occupation, how they are really living in an apartheid state with huge parallel to apartheid South Africa, people, any decent human beings who believe in civil rights and progressive values are going to be appalled. And I think it serves the Israeli government and, frankly, the Trump administration, which has a racism problem. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just a racist administration. These are two racist peas in a pod. Yeah. Uh, you know, they get along because they are alike. Now, Lena, so, have you ever heard of a representative of the United States being denied or uninvited to go to Israel, I mean, have we done that to the Knesset ever? Do you, are you familiar with this ever? Look, Netanyahu came over here and, and snubbed President Barack Obama, and we and the very few people said didn't say a damn thing about it. Okay, so it it got to go both ways. That's right. We're not going as an African American. I am not going to recognize Netanyahu as a legitimate person, not a president, but a person for coming over snubbing President Obama. That's unacceptable in the black community. And so the question is, what's being done or what can be done so that Congress takes a stand on this? They should be insulted, not just not just for those two, but the entire congressional body here in this nation. Is anything being done to mount a campaign to them to go ahead and uh, uh, send some message, clear message to the Israeli government that this is unacceptable? I couldn't agree more. I think it's really critical for everyone to be in direct communication with our elected representatives and help them understand that we feel that this is a ridiculous snub and that it's inappropriate and it's a violation of, you know, the our freedom of speech. But this, the problem is that this is tied to the um, 
anti-BDS legislation that they're always trying to ram through Congress. Anytime people try to critique the Israeli government for its practices, for its racism, you know, uh, that that gets uh, shut down in Congress. Unfortunately, Congress has made this event possible because they don't stand up to uh, the state of Israel's policies and its racist behavior. This is what happens when you support a state that engages in these practices. So it's really important for everybody to reach out to their representatives, not just Representative Tlaib and Representative Omar, and say, you know, we really expect you to um, speak up for your colleagues and to speak up for American democracy. And you're absolutely right about the snub of President Obama, which is amazing, considering how um, how much he, he, you know, I think people in my community, Palestinian community, wish he had pushed back even more or been even tougher on Israel than he was. Like, he was so gentle and tolerant and patient with uh, folks in that government and really was met with very little respect in return. Uh, so... I just I don't even know what they could possibly want more. <laughs> and you hear you hear nothing about Jared. What's going on with the president's son-in-law? Supposedly oh negotiating that treaty <laughs> with Palestine. He's a representative. That's a absolutely, absolutely. No, he's a rep- he represents Israel. He represents their interests. But uh, yeah. I will. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm waiting anxiously, waiting to hear. Like I said, uh, from uh, the leaders of the, of the members of the Congressional Black Caucus, we did hear from Congressman Andre Carson today. And mm-hmm. he, he was uh, very upset with the fact that members of the United States Congress would be treated in this fashion. But you mentioned right. uh, Donald Trump and Netanyahu are two white supremacists. That's what they are. That's and, exactly uh, right. Uh, and uh, as a, a black in the United States military, you have to ask yourself, what are you fighting for in South Korea, in Japan, in Germany, in the Middle mm-hmm. East, when your people can't vote? Economic injustice. Mass incarceration, right. all mm-hmm. kinds of forms of discrimination. And you're sitting around defending your commander-in-chief is a white supremacist who embraces white nationalism? Uh, I don't think so. They need to do something else with the weapons they have with all these neo-Nazis we got running around this country. That's exactly right. I want to note that I saw an excellent uh, tweet from um, Representative Ayanna Presley today where she said something to the effect of, I'm going to call it like I see it. And said, you know, this is this is bigoted what uh, is being done to her colleagues. And so I, I want to say again that, you know, black women are always in the forefront fighting on behalf of all of our civil rights. And so I tip my hat to her. Um, but I really think that the expectations should be highest of, you know, the leadership, especially in the Democratic Party. I, mean, I don't even know what to say about the Republicans at this point. But like, you know, where is Chuck Schumer? Where is Nancy Pelosi? Why is this not appalling to them? That's who I want to hear from. Exactly. Well, Andre Carson spoke up already. So right. he that's spoke right. up. So he's that's one. He's done more than, than his Yeah. Job. But then, again, but. he's a Muslim, too, though. So, you know, you would. Yeah. And, and he is, uh, un- you know, he, he has, he, the man has a spine. And he calls <laughs> it like it is. Yeah. And, you know, uh, regardless of uh, some people, oh, well, we're going to lose some support. Yeah. You know, you can't tolerate bigotry and racism and xenophobia anywhere, okay? No. If you're a human rights advocate, it got don't be in your backyard, but got to be around the world. It just that's can't. Right. And he is morally and politically consistent, Representative Carson. And that's really all we're asking for, is for all of our representatives to be morally and politically consistent in their, in their beliefs and in their behaviors. So, you know, uh, Representative Carson and Representative Presley are leading it's time for these other folks who are supposedly the Democratic Party leadership, at minimum, to follow their lead if they can't lead themselves. 
That's very true. And you know what? The, the calls will be made uh, out to them uh, to find out exactly where they are. Right. So uh, are there any planned uh, demonstrations or anything, uh, uh, press conference or anything else? You know, at the moment, I'm not uh, aware of anything locally that is happening, but I know that um, there is organizing that's happening um, at, at the national level, and I'm hopeful that, you know, that will sort of filter filter down to the states. I think the, the first line of defense is just to really hold those elected officials accountable and say, okay, this is an affront to, um, you know, this legislative body. What are you going to do about it? Because ultimately, those are the folks whose salaries we pay to represent us. Um, so at this point, that's the work that I'm aware of. But I'd be certainly happy to share with you if I, if I learn more about any okay. I just want to let you know that one minute ago I got a text from Congressman Andre Carson's office uh, from Copeland Tucker, one of his aides. He says, my boss is on the way to the airport. We're not yet to call into the program today. He sends his apologies. We will have him on next week, though. That's for sure. We're not going to be we're not going to be waiting. So we will definitely have him on. So uh, anyway, so uh, uh, Lena, thank you so much for your time today and, and good luck in your in your efforts to bring about uh, freedom, justice and equality for all people all around the world. We appreciate that. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to speak with you. I appreciate everything you do. All right now. Thank you. OK, okay take care. Uh, I'm going to be trying to hook up with Donald Watts on Watts Ball. Uh, they're having a big event out in uh, Auburn on Saturday and Sunday. Want to make sure people know about that. But on the other thing, Hayward, the 56th anniversary of uh, uh, the 1963 March on Washington. And I asked Eric if he could pull up some of Dr. King's 1963 speech. Because on August 28th, we'll be celebrating and commemorating the 56th anniversary on the 1963 March on Washington for Justice and Jobs. And 56 years later, we need Justice and Jobs and I-1000 to pass. Okay, let's, let's hear some of Dr. King. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream. At the Port of Seattle, diversity is the source of possibility and strength. And we honor our diverse community by expanding opportunities for all people to share in our region's economic prosperity. From the seaport to the airport, we're working to support small businesses, including those owned by women and minorities, and to create quality jobs with lifelong career paths. The Port of Seattle continues to be your port of opportunity. Step up your commute and ride light. Sound Transit's new Capitol Hill and University of Washington Link Light Rail stations are now open. Get around town faster and more reliably than ever. Ride now from the University of Washington to Capitol Hill in just four minutes or continue on to Westlake Station in just eight minutes. Find lots of helpful information on how to ride, how to get an Orca card, and more at ulink2016.org. Link Light Rail. More stations, more places. Seattle, Tacoma, Antwerp? That's right. We're streamed worldwide on our app and on the web at 1150kknw.com.
All right, Eddie Ryan Haven Evans back at Urban Forum Northwest trying to hook up with Donald Watts. Where are you? You and Slick. Anyway, I want to let you know that Urban Forum Northwest is brought to you by the Port of Seattle's Office of Social Responsibility. Congratulations to Bukta, the new equity uh, director at the Port of Seattle. Had a nice reception for her on on, uh, Wednesday evening. And then uh, also, uh, that was Tuesday, I'm sorry, Tuesday. Uh, Sound Transfer Small Business Development Labor Compliance Office. We got to get Leslie Jones on to talk about what's happening at Sound Transit. The City of Seattle's Purchase Construction Services Office with Liz Alzier, Concourse Concessions, Dave Fukuhara, SeaTac Bar Group LLC, uh, Jerry Whitsitt, and uh, Rod O'Neill. Uh, and then uh, Stephanie Ogle does our website. Every Thursday night, LaTanya and Michelle invite you down to Rumba Notes Lounge uh, for some of the best live music as well as spoken word. And uh, they get down a lot of dancing down there, too. That's at Rumba Notes in Columbia City. Uh, on uh, the 28th of uh, this month, a little after, about less than two weeks, Avery, uh, we'll be commemorating the 56th anniversary of the 1963 March on Washington for jobs and justice. 56 years later, we still need jobs and justice, and I-1000 could help immensely if we could get people to go ahead and do that vote for I-1000. That would help us a great deal. But right now, it's going to be at Mount Zion Baptist Church. Uh, reception at 5.30. Program starts about 6.30. And uh, to date, I know Anila Avzili from uh, the, let me, get, let me get her organization, has agreed to be one of the speakers. And uh, I'm waiting to hear back from Chandler Williams, uh, Toshiko Hasegawa, Executive Director of the Commission on Asian Pacific American Affairs has agreed to be one of the speakers. Estella. And Estella Ortega uh, will speak. And we're waiting to hear from, from a few other people. We were trying to hook up with Angela uh, Common to have them come up yes. so we could really add some spice to the event. So I'm waiting to hear back from them. And uh, we are uh, waiting to hear back from Chandler Williams. Chandler has been a stalwart. Oh, and uh, Dominique Stevens has been our MC. her and James Donaldson. Uh, I guess we'll see them at the next meeting on Tuesday. So, uh, Josephine Howell. Joseph, we, well, I got to talk to Josephine yeah. about doing Lift Area Voice and Sing. So the thing about it is that 56 years later, uh, you know, I just saw something on uh, CNN uh, earlier today about, as a matter of fact, I take that back, it was Tremaine Lee on MSNBC. Uh, the wealth of white companies is $176,000. Uh, black families of 17,000. Yeah. And see, this all goes back to what we've been talking about, that confederacy, uh, not getting our 40 acres on a mule, uh, being redlined, denied. And so that's how you end up losing the central area. Matter of fact, that is what's happening all across this country. Blacks are being displaced in inner cities. Uh, in Atlanta, they built the football stadium right in the black community. In uh, the L.A. Chargers Stadium will be right in Inglewood. Yeah. Uh, you go to D.C. now, some places you look like Chocolate City don't look like Chocolate City anymore. Although folks still have a grip in terms of politics, but uh, folks are being moved out of Los Angeles. Uh, my daughter Angela has a place in Baldwin Hills, and I tell you what, Baldwin Hills don't look like Baldwin Hills from, from 10 years ago. Uh, it's starting to take on the CD. You go to the hilltop in Tacoma. Same, the gentrification process is there, and it's really economic apartheid. 
if you don't have access to capital, if you're at the lower rung of the jobs, you're not going to be able to afford a home. And that's why I'm still insisting, and I've been talking to members of the Congressional Black Caucus, we need a federal designation for African descendants of United States enslaved. Every promise that's been made to us has been broken. And then after Reconstruction, after the Civil War was over, blacks were killed by the hundreds rather than give them an opportunity. And then you had the generals that uh, Kali was talking about earlier that led raids on land of black people and ran them off the land. And then we go to wars and segregated armies, and we come back to discrimination after defending the army, uh, defending people all around the world. We have soldiers all around the world right now in discrimination led by a white supremacist in the White House. So uh, when you guys get back from the war, you're going to still come back from segregation like you've been doing for the last four or five wars. And the war that killed more Americans than any war was the Civil War. Over 600,000 white men died, and some women, fighting to see whether or not black people are going to remain in slavery. And then when the war is over, promises were made to black people. And as soon as Andrew Johnson got there, he cut a deal and turned the Klan loose, brought the federal troops, and black people were murdered, massacred, and dehumanized and stripped of their land once again. Then we get the Great Society programs in the 60s. Oh, yes, it was aimed for descendants of African slaves, but it got watered down. I have nothing against any other people, but it took the focus off because of the racism in this country. It took the focus off black growth and development. It's like when Ronald Reagan come in, they talk about how great he was. He wasn't great for black people. One of the first things he did was hold his campaign kickoff in Philadelphia, Mississippi, where Goodman, Schwerner, and Cheney were killed, three civil rights workers. And then he got in the office. He uh, cuts all the manpower funding programs that were promised through the Great Society programs to help uplift us. And uh, then we had an opportunity to go to college in the late 60s. And then pretty soon that has eroded. But we still have young black men financing all these colleges and universities along with the pro teams, uh, and they don't even get paid in colleges. So we have a long ways to go. And that's why, you know, I'm glad what you just said, uh, Eddie, because that's why it's so important that people come out uh, on August 28th for the 56th anniversary March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. It's the same scenario. We're looking at the uh, I-1000, and we got to get it through. Everybody knows about I-200. 20 years ago, over 20 years ago now, that, that, uh, uh, that they passed this anti-affirmative action. And now the ramifications are there. They're right there in our face. We saw the Washington State Disparity Study, saw the Ports Disparity Study. When African Americans, look, when we get 100 to 1% of our own money, come on, return on investment for our tax dollars that we pay, there's clearly, clearly a problem. And that's why it's so important that on uh, August 28th, up at Mount Zion, everybody come out. And again, even if nothing else, the food is absolutely fantastic. Estella, what she say? She's bringing the Latino, the, the Mexican dishes? That's right. Oh, and then if Velma brings that Filipino food, oh, my goodness. And then we have the uh, Ethiopian lady when she brings that food. And then Ezel's chicken. As a matter of fact, now. that's where I got the facts and medium from on the way to the program, from Ezel's. I talked to Lewis uh, while I was over there. So Lewis will be counting on you as well. So uh, well, let's hear some more of... Uh, <clears throat> Dr. King's uh, 
I have a dream speech at the 63 March on Washington 56 years ago in, in 13 days. Wow, 13 days. Worthy will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama with its vicious racist, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification. One day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. Okay, that was 56 years ago on the 28th of this month. And we have to rededicate and recommit ourselves to economic justice and the freedom and equality for all, as Dr. King promised. And we really have to look at what's happening to our African descendants of United States slaves who got promise after promise, broken promise after broken promise. So uh, I do want to extend my condolences at this time, the guy I grew up with, Ralph Redmond Jr., uh, his service will be on the 23rd uh, of August. And also uh, Marvin Hewlett uh, Sr., uh, his service is going to be on uh, Friday uh, at uh, the Christian Restoration Center, 2001, 2001 South Norman Street. And then at the repast, is going to be at the Esquire Club uh, tomorrow. And that starts at 3 o'clock. And the family's requesting to bring a dish. And what I'm going to do is uh, I knew Marvin's wife, Cheryl. We grew up together. She's also deceased. But Marvin Jr. and Kevin, you can count on Eddie Ride dropping off either some catfish corner or either some easels or both. So, uh, or Eddie's barbecue. Your barbecue is. <laughs> no, I'm going to buy it already. Hayward. I'm not doing no work now. Come on. Okay, so anyway, want to thank me. Hayward Evans, Eddie Ride, want to thank you all. And we'll be checking with you again next week. Keep the faith and make sure when you get your ballot, you vote. Amen. 